Hello, everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Deadpan Studio Presents by Deadpan Studio Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Matt. I'm your boy. I'm here every week until we take a hiatus. <laughs> and uh, we're continuing on. We're rolling forward. Uh, last week, we had a very wonderful interview with Rebecca Vocal Athlete. I, I still can't. Um, I honestly still can't believe she was on here to, uh, you know, speak with us, have a great conversation. She was, I I say this to everybody I enjoy when they reach the level of me finding them to be a delight. It's a huge compliment. So thank you, Rebecca. Thank you once more. And I'm going to, I'm going to mail you privately just so, uh, you know, you can get that from the horse's mouth. Thank you so much. All right. Tonight, uh, we have an interview with a buddy of mine. I've known him literally his entire life. <laughs> um, now, I'm not having him on here just because he's a buddy. Um, he's somebody who's interesting, doing something pretty interesting, has done something pretty interesting. His name is Spencer Harrison, and he's with Junk Food Charlie. That's a band that uh, they're getting ready to drop a song on October 31st. That's right, the end of the month. Uh, they are dropping their single Pinata Sacrifice. And uh, right now they do have it available for pre-order. Um, I'll let him go through his spiel for where to find all their stuff. But in order to get there, I got to go through the usual. So, as always, if you'd like to get a hold of us for any reason, email us, talk to us, anything. Tell us to shut up. <laughs> anything. Uh, get us at deadpanstudio18 at gmail.com. We're on Twitter. We're on um, Instagram, and we're on Facebook. Yeah, I almost screwed those three up, even though those are the three that we're on. Uh, all at Deadpan Studio 18. I left it very simple, because I have a simple mind. <laughs> um, also, we're on a bunch of streaming services. We're on about 14 different ones. I say that every time, so if you would like for us to be on another one that I don't mention or is not in the list of streaming services, let us know. We'll try to get on there. Uh, some of the our old uh, dandy ones, uh, handy ones, the ones that have been most loyal to us have been uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcast, TuneIn, Spotify, as well as Podbean, uh, deadpanstudio.podbean.com. Uh, that is our that's our server. That's where we run everything through. Once we record, we upload, and they send it out for us to all these wonderful streaming services. So thank you. Anyway, without further ado, let's get into it. This is Spencer Harrison, Junk Food Charlie. Um, Getting ready to drop their, you know, music. Enjoy, guys. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we are here. uh, I say live, but this is always pre-recorded, but I like the way they say it. We're here live with Deadpan Studio Presents here by Deadpan Studio Podcasts. Of course, uh, I'm your host, Matt. Uh, Tonight, we're interviewing... uh, a guy I've known literally my uh, his entire life. Not my entire life. I'm a little older than him. Um, but I met him through his dad. I know that makes me sound like an, just an old fart, but <laughs> <laughs> that's just the way it goes. Um, <laughs> his name is Spencer Harrison. He is representing Junk Food Charlie. Now, how's it going, Spencer? I'm pretty good. How are you? <laughs> no, not bad. Ladies and gentlemen, if you can't tell, Spencer's a very laid back uh, person. So I like that. I like it's just easy going, laid back, and just having a good time. How did you get that from your dad? 
<laughs> I'm just kidding. I love you, man. Uh, <laughs> if he listens, I love you, dude. I'm just joking. Um, so, um, for those that don't know, Spencer, who or what is Junk Food Charlie? So, um, Junk Food Charlie is my pseudonym for my music. Um, it was actually kind of born out of um, my my mom's called me Charlie for like years because of that YouTube video, um, the Charlie bit my finger. Oh. <laughs> and so my mom thought that was really funny and like it just became this thing. So she would be like, hello, Charlie. And like it, it kind of stuck like and it's been like it's it still happens. And so which is fine. But like um, anyway, so like that's that's where that part of it comes from. And then I just really like chunk food that's like the least interesting part of the name but like um yeah so that's that i mean at least there's some explanation i guess but <laughs> <laughs> well that's all right uh you know that's the most memorable names uh usually come from something that has absolutely nothing really to do with you know extravagance or something that's just really really out there you know so junk food, Charlie. Now, Spencer, how long have you been into music? I mean, of course I know, but I, of course, whenever I'm asking you something, it's usually for the audience's uh, knowledge, not for mine. But uh, how long have you been into music? Has it been something you've done, uh, you've done your entire life, or? Um, I, I mean, in some capacity, like it has been a part of my life. Um, for for I mean, yeah, most of my life. Um, I wrote my first song but like i put like quotations around that because it was trash but um <laughs> i wrote my first song back in uh i had to have been like i i can't even remember i was so young but i was probably like between like five and seven mm-hmm. and um my cousin talked about wanting a cup of cheese and i thought it was like the funniest thing and so i was like okay well that's a song so um <laughs> Yeah, so A Cup of Cheese was my first song, and it was literally just that. It was the words Cup of Cheese repeated, like, over and over. And then um, she played guitar and sang, and so uh, we followed it up with uh, Noodle, which was the word Noodle repeated over and over again. I was very formulaic back then. but You write for Beyonce? Um, uh, not yet, <laughs> but maybe, <laughs> maybe Cup of Cheese will go, you know, we get to her one day. Yeah. She won't answer my calls. I don't know why. <laughs> I want to say first, first of all, I'm sorry. I do not. I, I do not have any hate towards Beyonce. Um, I just my whole point in saying that joke was for you, Spencer. Just think, you know, an award-winning song like "Women of the World" can, you know, look. Cup of cheese wouldn't be too far off. And I'm not dissing women of the world. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying the simplicity of the song itself, not the message, but the song itself, ladies and gentlemen, I don't want to leave here and get shot. (laughs) (laughs) Repetition is king. That's right. It's what makes it stick in your head. Yep. Uh, So what form of music did you like when you were growing up? Um, well, so, um, you know, my dad, he's, he was kind of like my, my music, the music I was exposed to is kind of split into two, um, 
I don't want to say camps because that sounds like really like weird, but like right. it, it was kind of it was like my dad had like all of this rock stuff going and like you know both like older stuff and more contemporary, and then my mom was a lot more um pop, both older and contemporary too. But um, but so like um, growing up, I remember I remember semi-vividly being in the car going to school one day and listening to Billie Jean by Michael Jackson. <laughs> um, and I, I just, I thought it was grooving. So like oh, yeah. there was that. And then, um, I liked crocodile rock by Elton John quite a bit too. Yeah. Um, I had nothing wrong with Elton John. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's amazing. And, oh, yeah. um, and so then, you know, there was stuff like that going on, on my mom's side of things. And then with my dad, it was like the first things that he played that really where I was, where it wasn't just like my dad was playing music in the car. It was like, Whoa, Hey, what is this? Um, was, um, crap. What was that album called? It was like, it was one of the later Scorpions albums. It was like a humanity hour humanity one or whatever hour it was one, called. Yeah. 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 Um, he had that playing, and then he played um, "Into the Now" by Tesla. <sighs> Sorry, I, and, I really like uh, that song. <laughs> yeah, and like I, it was again. It was like one of those things where it was like, um, I was like, "Whoa, hey, this is like this is pretty cool." And then, <laughs> so I ended up. That was like where it really kind of things kind of started for me because the stuff that I talked about, like that my mom played was sort of more, um, passive listening. Right. And I, I became more engaged with like, um, music kind of as a whole. When I heard that stuff that my dad was playing, because I was actually seeking that stuff out on my own time. Like I was listening to that stuff while I was like playing Roblox. <laughs> when I was like, I don't know, like 13 or something. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of where it started. And like rock has for at least the vast majority of my life since then has been sort of home base for me musically. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so, I mean, that was, that was kind of like where it's, where it started. Um, so yeah, I mean, I don't know if you want me to like keep going as far as like what happened next. I don't want to like give you my whole life story if you don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, man, this is all about this is all about you. If you want to tell it, go right ahead. I'm not going to stop you. Cool. Um, well, besides, so, like, besides, if you go through your whole life story, if your dad listens to this, he may cry. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm just um, kidding. So so like after I got into that stuff, there was a little bit of listening to that stuff. And then I got into, um, I think like the next thing that my dad played that if, if I'm remembering correctly, I think the next thing that my dad played that really stuck out to me was, um, uh, it was a breaking Benjamin album. It was, uh, I can't remember if the name of it is dear agony or if that's just one of the songs on it, but, um, it's that one, (laughs) whatever (laughs) that one's called. Um, it's the one with the, like the, brain x-ray or whatever on the cover but i was like i was like hey this is cool and then um i i I played breaking benjamin relentlessly for like 
a good bit of my middle school years and um which actually in retrospect i think maybe that's what a lot of people probably did um but yeah that was kind of one of those things where like more recently i was like yeah that was very much like a a back then kind of thing and it wasn't one of those things where like the the entertainment and like the appreciation like sustained itself. Yeah. Um, but that being said, like, I, I feel like I, you know, I don't like regret having listened to that or anything. Um, but yeah, so like I was, I was like heavy into breaking Benjamin disturbed Avenged sevenfold, like yeah. Yeah. And, um, but I also really gravitated a lot to like the alternative rock and stuff. And, mm. um, so like when I started like playing guitar hero and stuff, um, one of the ones that I played, um, had seven nation army on it. And so I, I played, I played the crap out of that song. And, um, eventually I was like, I think I, kind of want to learn to play this on real guitar because I, again, I, I played it so much. And so I was like, um, you know, we, we had acquired, a a cheap kind of practice guitar and amp. And, um, I asked my mom if I could take some lessons and she was all for it. And so that's, that's where it really, really started as far as like me playing music. Right. Um, so yeah, and then it just kind of took off from there. I just I practiced like a maniac and um well, that's not really true. I like I did, but I didn't because I really only practiced for like those first um few years. I think I mostly just practiced on like weekends, but I I like binged practice. Like I binge practice. Like I would play for like hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Spend like most of the day on Saturdays playing um after I got home from my dad's and so um you know, that being said, it was like it really it still added up and I um you know, there was kind of this constant push to like keep getting better and I was never really satisfied like I was never really at a point where I was like okay I'm I can play as well as I want to and I'm done um I just I never was that person and it always kind of like confused me when I saw people who were like content playing songs that were just chords or songs that were like really simple and like there's nothing wrong with that and I don't want to like make it sound like you know, like if you're doing that, you're doing something wrong because if that's what you want to do, go for it. But like, I was just never satisfied with that. Like it was boring to me after a while. And I was like, I need something I feel like is challenging me. And so I just kind of kept pushing it and, um, well, and here I am now. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, that's cool, man. Um, how would you describe the music that you're creating right now? (laughs) um well it's a far cry i would say in some respects from like where i started because well i don't know if that's really fair to say though because it's 
it's sort of like if again like white stripes and you know like the alternative rock like circa like the 90s and like early 2000s if you took that stuff and like mutated it and like i don't know it just like mixed like threw it in a cauldron with like some other like weirder stuff i that might be like clothes um and you know and i'm kind of like i kind of skipped over like some really i guess sort of key years in the progression of everything because um it wasn't always that way i mean rock was certainly like central to me but around early high school and beyond like that's where my taste started to expand so i was listening to i was listening to like doo-wop music from you know and like i was listening to funk music and you know r&b and um i mean just all manner of things and um so i was pulling from a very wide well, I, I still am, uh, you know, now probably more than ever pulling from a very wide array of styles. So, yeah. um, to kind of go back to your question, cause I know I kind of trailed off from it a little bit, but like, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's most of what I do, if not all of it really is rooted in rock in some capacity, but there's always, to some extent attention paid to like how can i you know make this like new and refreshing and bold and um and you know even potentially like innovative or because i i don't want to i don't want to be that person that's like hey here's my original song everybody's like oh that just sounds like another 90s alt rock song it's like oh no i get that man because here's the thing uh the reason why I sort of venture towards rock more than anything else is because rock music, especially today, um, if you look over the history of rock and of rock music, it is sort of an amalgamation. It's a combination of a lot of different genres. It may have a louder, you know, riff to it or a louder beat, but you know, if you look at it, let's see, for example, um, who am I going to think of? Uh, name a uh, name a band today, Spencer, that you like. Daughters. I don't know if you're familiar, but throw them out there. Yeah, I'm a little familiar with them. Um, of course, you know they're not on my playlist because, uh, you know, like I said, I'm older than you, so I've got a <laughs> I've got more classic <laughs> taste. But um, yeah, they have uh, ventured across my uh, my YouTube channel every now and then. But if you think about it, some of the things that uh, they play, uh, some of the riffs that they have, there's sort of an R&B feel to it. I don't know if you kind of get that from them, um, but I do. Um, now, if I was going back towards classic, more classic music, you mentioned Seven Nation Army, you know, White Stripes. Um, mm-hmm. That beat right there is a perfect example of that, of a of a, an R&B type of beat, you know. Mm-hmm. that is not a classic rock it's not pop 
It's not metal. It's not anything like that. That is a straight up R&B hook that they take and put it into a, sort of an alternative uh, slash hard rock uh, style. So see, there you go right there. You've got three different styles right there. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. And, you know, even, you know, kind of beyond that, it's like there's very much like a bluesy component to their sound too. Mm-hmm. And, um, and like some noise rock in there. And like, I mean, if you want to get down to like really specific, uh, sub genres and stuff, which I usually do, but, <laughs> <laughs> um, I think that can be like a good thing and a bad thing sometimes, but like, yeah, I mean, yeah, perfect example. I mean, they're not they're by no means just kind of like one thing oh no well it's like even uh you mentioned uh you know billy jean michael jackson earlier we literally just uh you know a couple of episodes ago we did a tribute to the late great eddie van halen mm-hmm. um and I, i'm sure you were one of the ones uh like the rest of us who were pretty sad and pretty bummed um to hear of his passing um but did you know um you may already know this, but did you know that he actually had a hand in one of Michael's number one hits? Uh, yeah, he, uh, wait, no, hold on. I'm thinking of, no, I got mixed up cause I know Slash played on a song. I think if I'm remembering correctly, I was thinking I heard Slash played on, um, I don't remember the song, but anyway, what, what's the, what's the one Eddie Van Halen was on? Well, there's a story. (laughs) (laughs) I said this on that episode, but, um, so basically, uh, Eddie Van Halen was friends with Quincy Jones. And, uh, for those that don't know, Quincy Jones is a very, very big, uh, music producer, especially in the realms of R and B, but that's not the only, uh, you know, genres that he's been in. But anyway, he was in there laying down tracks, uh, with Michael. This is back in, obviously back in the eighties. Um, we'll say this is right before Van Halen really, really took off. So you were talking about innovation. So he's in there and he's asking Quincy, what are you doing? He goes, oh, I'm laying down some tracks with Michael. And he goes, Michael Jackson, really? Wow, that's really cool. What have you got? So he starts playing Beat It. Okay, do you know where I'm going with this? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So anyway, they're standing there and they play the, 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 the riff that they have, the solo that they have for the songs already pre-written. And you know, of course they've got their studio and tour musician who helped write it and all that stuff and was ready to play it. But Michael was in another studio, just kind of working with his, you know, doing his own thing. And, uh, so Eddie's sitting there like, Hey, how about, how about do this? Rearrange it. This, do this, do this. Uh, I'll do this. And they go in and they take about, they they're in there in the middle of a second take because Quincy decides he's going to lay this down. Second take, um, Michael comes in with his entourage. And of course, you know, his, uh, Eddie's throat is now out his butt. <laughs> <laughs> Cause then he's like, Oh my gosh, Eddie's going to have his entourage kill me because I'm missing. I, I'm pretty much crapping in another dog's yard is pretty much the way he thought about it. So Michael's like, what's going on? Sorry. <laughs> There's no way to make uh, Michael Jackson sound tough uh, outside of his singing. So it's like, you know, what are you guys doing? And uh, Quincy's like, oh, his, we were, uh, you know, just kind of tweaking uh, the solo in it and, and beat it. And uh, he's like, oh, well, let me hear what you got. <laughs> so, of course, Eddie goes into uh, goes into it. 
And Michael's like, I really like that. Oh my gosh, it takes something special for somebody to take something that's already magic to elevate it to a level I never would have even thought of before because, of course, Michael thought of himself that highly as well. <laughs> so the what you hear it, in three takes in a half an hour, Eddie Van Halen has ma- made the iconic, reworked the iconic solo to what you hear today on the radio when they play Beat It. That is actually Eddie Van Halen playing that lick. That's sick. I didn't know that. I Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, that is cool. I I'm still trying to remember what um what that song was that had slash on it. Or I I don't know. I anyway. I but... can't remember. But, (laughs) you know, it just shows that, you know, like I said, rock music traverses genres just because of, you know, its adaptability and the way it can take pieces from here and pieces from there just to kind of help change the sound. And you were talking about innovation. That was Eddie not being afraid to be innovative, even if it could have really, really bit him back hard. Yeah. So, um, but don't, you know, it's one of those things. Don't ever let anybody uh, make you think that trying to be innovative is bad. You know. Oh, absolutely not. Yeah, I. Anybody that says that can like kick rocks, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> so uh, let me ask you. Um, you actually have a degree, right? I do. Yeah. Tell us. Tell us a little bit about that. So um, I have a degree with um, Berkeley College of Music. I actually did the whole thing online, and um, by the way. That's awesome. <laughs> um, thank you. Thank you. Um, yep. <laughs> so yeah, I, I've got a degree in interdisciplinary music studies and basically what that means is, um, thank God I have no idea. I, I kind of, I kind of know like a little bit of, I don't want to say everything cause that sounds like, like uh, snobby, but like it's, it's sort of like the equivalent of, it's sort of like saying like I'm I'm a jack of all trades, but like not obviously like I'm not an expert at everything, but like mm-hmm. I know um, you know, I had music business classes, I had production classes, I had composition classes, writing classes, you know. So it was sort of this um I think one of the ways they kind of like um portrayed it was like create your own degree. So it's like sort of do whatever you want as long as you meet these requirements, um, you'll get this degree. So um, you heard here first, up, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I. Uh, <laughs> That's pretty I cool. Actually, ended up. Um, I, I had a little bit more of a focus on songwriting, but I didn't do like the full songwriting degree. Um, what were you hoping to do with that degree uh, at that point? Um. Well, like as I was working on it. Yeah. Um. I mean, I was just trying to. That's a really great question because, like, I don't know if I can like really give you a very good answer. <laughs> okay. Well, how um, about how about we back up a little bit then? Uh, when you decided that you were going to go to school for music, what was your end game at that point? When you were thinking, oh, I'm going to go get a degree in music. See, so, so like the thing about that was, like, I, there's nothing else I want to do. Like that was established, mm-hmm. and. It was this thing of like I don't know exactly what I want to do with music. Well, I like I do, but I don't know 
because the thing was always like I wanted to perform, record, or record, perform, repeat, you know, whatever. Um, and at the same time, I was like, well, I might have to have like some other music related job um, to start out. And so, or at least to like kind of supplement myself while I do the other things. So um, there was not really for most of the degree, if for any of it, like there was never really a, a thing that was like 100% set in stone. Like I wasn't ever really like, Oh, I'm going to do this. Like as soon as I'm out of school, like I'm going right. to work in a studio. Cause like I thought about that, but then I was like, ah, I don't know if I want to do that. And then, um, it was a lot of, sort of jumping back and forth between different things. And so the reason I wasn't really able to answer the initial question was just like, it's still, and this might sound kind of like ridiculous considering I've already got the degree now, but like, it's still kind of up in the air because like, um, well, for one right now with the pandemic, obviously like things are a little bit weird. So, um, there's that, but then it's also like, um, it's almost sort of like a blessing in disguise because it's like, I have this opportunity right now and all this time to myself to start building what I've always wanted to do anyway. So it's like, you've got time to be able to, you know, kind of stretch and expand your creativity a little bit. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so I mean, that's, that's really just kind of the goal right now. Um, and yeah, I mean, I guess some people would argue like, Oh, well you don't need a degree to do that. And that's true. But, like I wouldn't be doing this on the level that I'm doing it currently if I didn't have all of that knowledge from Berkeley. So, um, you know, I mean, yeah, like if I want to go tour, the venues aren't going to be like, okay, where's your degree? It's, but But it's like, I'm going to, you know, you've got this knowledge from, uh, you know, taking these courses, you know, performance as well as, uh, uh, production and you know so on and so the business and music that you know what's in that so you're not having you're not struggling you're not like you know flapping your fins you know going into a you know part of the pond you're not familiar with yeah yeah exactly and so um that's just kind of the thing right now is like um it's not necessarily going somewhere where they're looking for a degree it's sort of i'm doing my own thing and i just happen to have a degree (laughs) (laughs) Um, so yeah so that's yeah well that's pretty cool either way (laughs) thank you now is that now uh, as in performance is that uh, something that you're wanting to do as in like um wanting to perform in big venues or are you just, are you more of a fan of like more intimate settings to where you can get a little bit, okay. I'm being a little careful with what I'm saying here because of COVID, but I mean, where you can get a little more intimate with the audience. (laughs) Yeah. Um, or is it like, you know, you see all these bands playing these, you know, 10 to 20,000 seats or more depending on if you're, you know, a bygone era that still pulls, you know, 7,500,000 people. Uh, what, what do you lean more towards? Um, I think just based on my own personal concert going experience over the last couple of years, I think I lean a little bit more towards a smaller venue. Mm. 
Um, because now I actually, I did go to a concert, um, in North Carolina last year that was, the, the venue was bigger, but it was, it was very solid. Um, but I just find that smaller venues are so much more, um, I don't know. It's just, it's a lot easier to just enjoy it that way. Unless there's just like a whole lot of stupid people, but <laughs> it's like, yeah, and there's going to be some, yeah, I was going to say it's a given, like there's going to be some, but, um, I mean like one of my favorite places to go is the mercy lounge in Nashville. Oh, I love that place. And yeah, it's, it's like perfect. Cause you can, assuming like one of the guards doesn't get pissed at you like you can stand up on the stools and like see the stage perfect and so like um now i mean i don't mean like stand up on like the seat of the stool i mean like the little ring around the bottom where you put your feet but yeah um yeah you just like stand up on that lean up against the wall and you're golden like you can see perfect and the sound is good um but anyway no i um yeah i kind of do gravitate more towards smaller venues plus i don't really know like if what i play is suitable for like a large venue just because like i don't know if there's like that high of a demand for it (laughs) well i mean you never know i mean not maybe not today but you never know how it's gonna be you know say 10 years from now i mean dude you're still in your early 20s so (laughs) yeah you got plenty of time um but, you know, the reason I mentioned that was because I, I seem to recall a concert that you, uh, myself, and your father went to uh, to go see the Scorpions down in Nashville at the arena. Oh, my Lord, I hated that concert. <laughs> and I, your dad still it looks like he went. Hey, if you talk to him about that, the look on his face is like yeah. it shattered all of my rock dreams. You know, <laughs> the music was great. Yeah. You know, the band was awesome, but it was, even the where we were at was great. You know, it wasn't that bad. It's just, mm, that venue was awful. Now, I went to go see, um, a number of years ago, when Hailstorm was just coming up. They weren't huge. They were an opener. Um, I saw them early on. Uh, they opened up for, um, oh my gosh, what is his name? Daniel Lewis? No. Uh, what's his name from Stained? Aaron Lewis. Um, he opened. Uh, she opened up uh, for Aaron Lewis, Chevelle, and um, oh my gosh, what was that third band? Oh Lord, Rock God, shoot me down now! Holy crap! <laughs> I remember you talking about that concert. Yeah, okay, okay. The band where um, the lead singer used to be really, really big, and then he got really, really, really skinny healthy. Um, I have no idea. Oh, my God. (laughs) They sing a song, I found a way. uh, I found a way to feel the sun from the sky. Oh, my God. Fly on the inside. That's the that's the name of the song. Fly on the inside. Oh my gosh, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sorry. I it's been a long day. So, 
Fry from the inside. Shine down. Shine down. Yes. By God. I googled it. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, Shine Down. I have to say rocked the place now where i was sitting at you had moments where intimacy could have been better when aaron lewis uh, they had a mini stage out in the middle of the crowd now we were in a venue that the place we were at was in pikeville kentucky and it wasn't that big of an arena you know it's where um, the old uh, tna wrestling used to have their stuff every year so it you gotta understand it wasn't a big place at all it probably held at max capacity, 8,000 people. So you're looking at, and it wasn't even a, a packed house. So you've got a possibility for intimacy with Aaron Lewis, you know, but that wasn't that good at all. He was sort of just mostly into himself. He didn't care about the audience, even though he was dead in the middle of the audience. And then you had Chevelle who just, they were phoning it in the whole night. <laughs> <laughs> kind of holding on to the microphone, not really into it. Just kind of like, oh, Lord, we're in eastern Kentucky. I would love to be out of eastern Kentucky as soon as we're done performing. <laughs> <laughs> but I tell you what, Saliva or Saliva, Shine Down. I've got a Saliva song in my head now. Um, Shine Down rocked the place. They controlled the audience. They just held you in the palm of their hands. So, I mean, it just goes to show you that that was the best part. And where we were at, you know, we weren't the closest, obviously, um, because, man, tickets are expensive for the good seats. <laughs> yeah. But I tell you what, even though we were, you know, kind of far back, we still felt like we were close to the stage because of the way that they engaged the audience. They brought you in. So it's like my I guess my whole point was, you know, I do enjoy smaller venues like that. But then if you go down to Nashville, Tennessee, you know, you go to these big, big arenas that they had just, you miss something and it kind of ruins the experience. I'd rather spend the night at the Ryman, you know? Yeah. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so are you with your, uh, junk food, Charlie? Now, do you have enough songs written up right now on, you know, Spotify and everything else that you're on uh, that would consist of an album? Um, or are you still working on that a little bit? Uh, so, like, you mean, like, songs that are written but not out or songs that are out or... Where you might have plans on putting them on an album itself and releasing the whole album. Because I know the, the whole sort of... The way the music business is now it's hard to make bank on just an album because you have to make number one hits on every song. And that is near impossible anymore so because people just aren't going to buy an album. They're going to buy single songs. But I didn't know if that's something you were working toward was that eventually just put out an album or if you were just going to stick with uh, dropping singles. Um, I mean, right now I'm kind of, I'm sticking with singles just because like I've kind of figured out like a workflow that works relatively well for singles. And so I'm just trying to like get some stuff out period. Yeah. Um, so 
That being said, though, I've got some songs. I don't really like want to put a number to it, but like I, because like things are always just like changing and stuff. But right. like, um, I have I have some songs that are thematically linked, and I would like to do an album. Um, I actually for like a considerable amount of time I had this idea of doing three albums mm-hmm. like fairly close together and that about drove me nuts thinking about the <laughs> colossal undertaking that that was <laughs> and so I moved down to two and then I was like well okay and but like the more I kind of toyed around with that I was like I just need to write whatever I feel like writing and if an album comes out of it so be it but like I need to quit trying to make some grand entrance into music with some crazy like you know bulk of material that like i don't know it's just not really it's not really smart honestly because like if you if nobody knows who you are and like your first musical like um you know your first move into music is like hey here's a whole album it's like who cares because yeah. it's like nobody nobody knows who you are and yeah there might be some people that check it out just to see but it's like you're well, gonna do a lot better to like put out singles and build a fan base first yeah and it's not like it used to be where you would record something whether it was a, a demo track or a demo you know reel of a you know two three songs or f- up to five and that you could shop it around to radio stations and fight your way in to get some a DJ to play it on the air because you know that stuff's so micromanaged anymore that you know the DJ has absolutely zero say you know in yeah. what's on the air especially i mean even though you've got car blanche a lot of times like especially if you're a you know a big deal like Alice Cooper nights with Alice Cooper I really don't think he has control of what's play. Now he may have ideas and they may let him throw a song or two in, uh, you know, here and there because he's always got stories because of his very long and, you know, illustrious career. But there's no way that people could, you know, take songs and, and put them on air like that. You know what you're doing. I, I, I agree. I think it's probably the best way to go about it because it allows, to me, it allows you to give, uh, it gives yourself an opportunity to try different genres of music, maybe still staying within the realm of what you're trying to write, but then you could cha- tweak the sound a little bit here. You know, you know, one song may sound, you know, one way and another song's completely different. And once, you know, the first song doesn't really hit, but then you put out one that sounds, you know, different that hits, then you've at least got experience writing in different areas. And then you can start saying, okay, well, if that's what people like, maybe I can start writing more in that area because I have obviously, uh, I'm decent enough for people to like it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, like that, like that's a really good point because especially with what I do, it's like, there's never really one kind of area that like I reside in completely. Like there's, there's commonalities between songs, but there's, it's like the proportions of the influences are different. So like some songs will have more of a, you know, like an alternative rock or like emo rock, math rock type of thing going on. And then some will have more of like a, I don't know, like, um, like a goth rock thing or something. And it's like, or industrial or it's, I mean, it's like, 
it's not that all over the place, but like it can be. And so doing singles is, it keeps it like the commitment level very low as far as that's concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I'm not really afraid to do an album where like one song is very different from another, because I actually think that's a very admirable quality in an album. Um, and a lot of the albums that I actually really like are that way. So, um, so yeah, I mean, singles for now, but album at some point, probably. Cool. Now, speaking of, uh, music, we're going to play a little, uh, snippet that you've sent me, um, from Pinata Sacrifice. And that, you know, that's kind of appropriate because of this time of year, <laughs> just by the <laughs> name of it. Um, of course, I have not listened to the whole uh, song. And to me, the, the sound, uh, what I what I take it as, it's a little more experimental. It's not a typical, you know, run-of-the-mill type of song. Am I correct? Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all right. I mean... I'm not going to put you into this category that I'm about to explain. I'm just saying this for the, the audience perspective. Um, it's sort of like, you know, if anybody were to write just typical songs, you know, there's a whole swath of sounds and music that people have written that people use for different things. Like, um, some people actually love to just write background music for certain things. There's a, uh, there's a band that your father absolutely loves or at least uh has loved because he owns a number of their albums midnight syndicate and they write a number of and of course there's a bunch of different bands like that that he's a he's a fan of but it's just background music for some of the hobbies that he does so you know my point is there's no when the audience hears this i'm going to play here in just a moment ladies and gentlemen but there's when you listen to it keep in mind that there's no real reason for people to be pigeonholed into a certain category. I guess that's why I was kind of probing you for these questions about where would you put yourself and all this stuff. So if you'd like, would you like to, uh, intro, uh, this little snippet and then I'll play it. Um, this is pinata sacrifice (laughs) is wait, what, what, like what, how, how so like, how should I, well, explain to the audience so they have a little more understanding about what they're going to hear. Oh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, Pinata Sacrifice is basically about, um, binging junk food and, uh, regretting it, but it's sort of like the whole, the whole like experience is sort of put through this lens of like a sacrifice and it's kind of gory. And so, yeah. I see now hearing that, uh, after originally hearing this, not uh, knowing anything about it, that makes a lot of sense. So, all right. Uh, this, uh, little snippet isn't very long, uh, because, uh, Sp- Spencer would like for people to actually listen to the whole, the whole song when it drops. And we'll get into that as soon as we come back. So here we go, everybody. Uh, junk food, Charlie Spencer Harrison with pinata sacrifice. Check it out.
you get that. And uh, for the audience that there, of course, you're going to get your detractors, but uh, so I'm going to, I'm going to talk to them. Uh, now, what I listening to this uh, more than a couple of times, I started breaking it down. Um, I heard a lot of different influences in there. Obviously, Latin music. Uh, I heard that, uh, not just Latin, but more s- straight uh, Mexican, almost flamenco, you know, t- a style of music. I heard. Um, of course, obviously, it took my mind to a Rob Zombie movie. <laughs> no joke. It took me to The House of a Thousand Corpses uh, with, uh, oh my gosh, I can't remember the name. of, uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I am so sorry. Usually, I am a, a fountain of useless knowledge, and I am drawn a blank. Um, <laughs> but it was the the main antagonist, uh, Dr. Sat- Dr. Satan. That's it. Uh, that's what it reminded me of until it got to that last part when the Latin music started kicking in, which I really enjoyed that last part. I did. Glad to hear it. Yeah. And it's, it's funny that you say that because I was actually playing something else for a friend of mine, um, or I sent him a snippet of something else recently, and he was like, um, he was like, it reminds me of Rob Zombie. And he says, I haven't listened to Rob Zombie, but it sounds like what I imagine Rob Zombie sounds like. <laughs> well, believe me, I grew up I grew up on Rob Zombie. I was a fan of his when he was in White Zombie for uh, those few years. And then when he switched over to his own um, solo career, I, I, I listened to a lot about all of his albums. I, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoy Rob Zombie. But uh, even music aside, just that part before the Latin music kicks in, um, it reminds me of spoilers yeah spoiler for a almost 20 year old movie uh, <laughs> where the the girl at the very end of the movie is running through the house she goes through these caverns and she finds herself in the uh, you know in the wake of dr satan performing surgery on something you know at the end and that music was just there and then i could still see the latin music coming in because then of course if she's in the point of no return she's not going to escape if the screen goes white then you hear that latin music it's picking up at the end of the movie (laughs) (laughs) so spencer even if uh, i'll tell you what even if you um of course i i wish you all the best for that and i hope it i hope you take off but should you ever just need to make money you could definitely make money for movie soundtracks just like that yeah, totally. And, you know, that's something I've thought about because, like, there, there's some, like, experimental musicians and, like, they do that. Like, they, they're, they like, into soundtracking and things like that. And um, because that kind of music is, especially something that's very, like, texturally, like, oriented is very appropriate a lot of times. For, yeah, like, and you've got a lot of complex layers in that, too. So... Yeah, I, and thank you. And I would, um, yeah, I'd definitely be into something like that at some point. Uh, you know, honestly, it also kind of reminded me of Frank Zappa. If you've ever I'll listened to much of his. Yeah, I um, I need to try him again because, like, I, I'm a pretty big Captain Beefheart fan, and they oh, were yeah. friends. Frank and, Zappa, Captain Beefheart, oh, yeah. Yeah, and, like, <laughs> so I... I tried looking into Frank Zappa and like I ended up listening to Valley girl, which was like a huge mistake (laughs) and it was so annoying and I hope I never hear it again. But like, then I found out like, Oh, most of his stuff actually, I don't think is like that, but 
Well, um, let me tell yeah. you what. We did an episode of... Uh, <laughs> it was an episode of or one of the podcasts we did where we did a game show, and I was running it, and it was called They Sang What? And basically what I did was I took um, different uh, artists and put them in categories, sort of like Jeopardy, you know, style, and uh, had them in, divided into music genres, you know, rock, country, R&B, so on and so forth. And uh, Frank Zappa was uh, one of the artists on here. Now, what I had to do was I had to deep dive into their music and get into their mindset because what I was doing was I was taking their most outlandish lyrics that were either <laughs> funny, didn't make sense, or just nuts. And I had four four answers, A, B, C, or D. One of them I wrote. The other three were written by the artist. And so you had to guess which one was mine. And if you listen back, I got a lot of, I got a lot of uh, people going, you, didn't, you wrote that? Oh, my God. I didn't get that. Oh my God, I can't believe I got that wrong. You can't believe you wrote that. But it was, the point was Frank Zappa literally messed me up for a few days. <laughs> when I got in a deep, deep into how I, you know, when I broke down his music lyrics and just the music period, it, it warped my mind for a couple of days. I wasn't thinking right. <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> but, um, uh, before we let you go, before we let you plug your stuff, um, the last section that we've got here, uh, since you, uh, since you may not be familiar with what we've been doing with, uh, the interviews at the end of deadpan studio presents, I call the DSP 12 deadpan, deadpan studio presents 12. And it's, uh, uh, Spencer, are you familiar with, uh, Mr. James Lipton from inside the actor studio? No. Um, Inside the Actor Studio was a uh, TV show that came on, and it actually made a revival um, here last year. Mr. James Lipton passed away, and what he was he was a uh, he was an acting teacher, uh, professor, as well as TV host. And this show, he basically brought on producers, musicians, um, main, mainly actors, and now I'm talking high profile actors. He even had Dave Chappelle on there a couple of times, which is really cool, and. At the end of every interview, he would ask them the the same five questions, and uh, I was a really big fan of his, especially since I'm in act I'm into acting uh, as you know my main quote unquote hobby because I don't get paid. <laughs> <laughs> but I took his idea and I kind of expanded on it. I didn't. I only kept one major question of his. Uh, which was the very last one, just sort of as a tribute or an homage to Mr. James Lipton, because I, I do, I, I adore that show, and I thought the world of that of that man just through the TV like that. So, if you wouldn't mind, I got twelve uh, rapid fire questions to ask you, just uh, kind of off the top of your head, and you know, there is no wrong answer. All right, let's do it. All right, question number one: What is your favorite word or quote? Oh man. <laughs> um, oh man. Um, wow. I know these are supposed to be rapid fire, but like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, I guess, I guess like for the time being, I'll, I'll pick, um, 
Oh my gosh. Um, <laughs> is there a way we can come back to that one? <laughs> or do I have to answer like right now? No, go ahead, if, man. If you I can do it. Right now, you can do um, it. The, the only pressure that's put on you is for yourself. And that's, that's sort of what these questions are. It kind of opens you up to going, okay, I should just kind of go with my first, you know, reaction. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah. Um, how about uh, Fast and Bulbous by Captain Beefheart? There you go. There we go. <laughs> what I'll is your least? On these next <laughs> what about your least favorite order quote? Um, when when you leave the door open for people and they don't say thank you. Aha! I like that. Are you a morning or nighttime person? Nighttime. <laughs> what sound makes you feel calm and at peace? Um, anything that's not like kids screaming, I don't, (laughs) (laughs) that's my answer. Actually, I'm leaving that. (laughs) Um, what sound makes you upset or angry? I hate the sound of like when you're getting dishes out of the cabinet and like they're clinking together. I hate that. Yeah. Um, now, <laughs> this question always reminds me of your father, and when I ask it, you may you may understand. Uh, and it's, it's be only because I can relate to him on this because I had the same exact thing. What scent makes you happy? Oh wow, yeah, I totally know what his answer would be to that. Um, <laughs> for me, it's um... oh, uh, there's this candle from. Uh... Bath and Body Works. It's called um, Pumpkin. Uh, it's it. I don't know. It's some kind of like pumpkin marshmallow, something or other. But it's that and the um, the blueberry sugar wall plug in things. No, oh, mm. yeah. Mm. Very cool. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna. You know, your dad just like me is a is a crayons, a box of yeah. crayons. <laughs> yeah, crayons and um, like just lit uh, a certain kind of like just lit cigarettes because it reminds him of his dad. Yep, yep. All right. On the uh, flip side, what scent makes you cringe? Um, lavender. Lavender is so overrated. Why do people even like that? <laughs> it's this so is for bad. me because lavender is just too much for me. But you get another. Thank you for standing up for us, uh, not anti-lavender, but just sort of, uh, we prefer other scents group. <laughs> no, I'm anti-lavender. Lavender's trash. <laughs> <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> yep. I stand uh, by that. So we've got, uh, we've got five more. Uh, question number eight. Uh, now, of course, obviously, what you're doing is more of your passion, and it's more of what you want to do with your life. However... Given the time, what's another hobby you'd like to try? Um, I would really like to uh, be a director. Music, play, yeah. movie? Oh, sorry. For, yeah, for movies. Yeah. Cool. Very cool. Uh, <laughs> okay, so... You can say it, and I'll bleep this out before the episode releases if you would like. Um, or you can actually just say the, you know, uh, I'll, I'll explain. What is your favorite curse word or slang term? 
Now, I put that in there, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a curse word if you don't want it to be for those with sensitive ears. Uh, like, my favorite thing right now is one of my nephews, his favorite, uh, he's five years old. He likes to say, oh, shrimps. Now, of course, we've had we've had guests on here that said, oh, I love the F-bomb, I love this, I love that. So, Spencer Harrison, what's your favorite curse word or slang term? Um... I really like, um, oh man, I was watching Adventure Time the other day and somebody on there said, this is dirt balls. And I thought that was so <laughs> awesome. So I'm going to, I'm going to go with that just for like, for right now. <laughs> That's a great show. It is a great show. <laughs> All right. So question number 10, if you had to live somewhere else in the world for one year, where would you go? Money aside. Wherever there's a desert, I don't know if that means like Nevada or yeah, I don't know Nevada or Arizona, somewhere that's like there's a desert. Uh, are you talking like, like dry heat as opposed to humidity, or is that what it's yeah, mainly I, for? You still sort of. I just of... think deserts look cool. <laughs> <laughs> Arizona, I don't want big, man. Like, spiders or anything. So yeah. So. <laughs> All right, we got two yeah, more. Desert. <laughs> Uh, if you could have dinner and a good talk with anyone in the world, living or dead, who would it be? Oh man, that's, oh gosh. Um, well, I would have to pick somebody that's not alive and. Well, I mean, living or dead. (laughs) Yeah, but I feel like, you know, I could potentially have dinner with somebody that's still alive. So, um, I would definitely pick somebody that's not alive and I, Three come to mind, and I'm just going to go with, like, the initial person that popped in my head. I'm going to say David Bowie. Nice. Mr. Stardust. Love it. All right. So this is the last question. This was uh, Mr. James Lipton's. This is for you, buddy. Um, Spencer Harrison, if heaven exists, what do you want God to say to you when you arrive at the pearly gates? Um, I hope he says, welcome to heaven. Um, your dog is here, and... We have cookies. Hey, there you go. <laughs> I like that. All right. Well, do you want to uh, do you want to uh, plug your stuff? Sure. Um, so, uh, Pinata Sacrifice, uh, the pre-sale is up now, and it drops. Uh, it's available everywhere on Halloween, and there's going to be more stuff after that, but. I'll talk about that at a later time. So yeah, pinata sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> Where can you get the pre-order? Um, you can get the pre-order. It's on Amazon right now. It's on iTunes, and I th- I believe it's on Spotify right now too. Um, if, unless it's gone up some other places, it, it's going to go up more places, but it's like only gotten to some of them so far. Um, so yeah, there's that. Uh, and you can follow me on Instagram at junk food, Charlie and, uh, yeah, get, get the song, you know, if you want to (laughs) (laughs) check it out, everyone, Spencer, thank you for being on here tonight, bud. Thank you for having me. Oh yeah. It was cool, man. Uh, you, uh, is this your first podcast? This is my first podcast. This was fun. Well, (laughs) you made it boy. I broke your podcast, Cherry. I hope your dad don't. Nice. Care. <laughs> <laughs> All 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, Junk Food Charlie, Spencer Harrison, check him out. Uh, Pinata Sacrifice is what you heard tonight. You can get the you can get the pre order. Um, drops on October thirty first, Halloween. Check him out on the iGram, Instagram, Junk Food Charlie. And with that, we'll catch you on the closing. See y'all. Cool, Winnie. Yeah, I love Spencer. He's a great guy. Um, like I said, I've known him practically his entire life. Check him out. Um, what he's doing, he's trying to be innovative, and I say trying, and I don't mean that in a derogatory way at all or in a negative way. Um, just by what we described, um, audience, if you go into it with an open mind, check out his other songs when he uh, when he drops them. You know, check them out. I guarantee you, you won't regret it. You know, I've already got an idea uh, for the entire song of Pinata Sacrifice for some of the things that I'd like to do. Background music for writing or uh, certain types of research. But I may actually purchase Spencer's song, Halloween, uh, so that I can use it for a Halloween maze that uh, me and uh, Kat, well, me and Kat, that's grammatically awful, Kat and I are trying to do for our nephews, our family. So anyway, I hope you enjoyed that interview because I, I really did. I thought I really got to know Spencer more than I already had. And I truly, truly enjoyed getting to speak with him. And I hope you all enjoyed it too. So as always, um, if you'd like to reach us, get us at our email, deadpanstudio18 uh, at gmail.com. Of course, we're on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, all at Deadpan Studio 18. And then we have all of our streaming services, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcast, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, you name it, we're there. Spotify, we are there. Just look for that little black and white logo. You won't regret it. I sure have it. And uh, with that, don't forget to check out Podbean. DeadpanStudio.Podbean.com it's you can get it for your smartphone. It's an app, uh, your tablet. Uh, of course you can just go to the website, deadpanstudio.podbean.com. We're there. And with that, I'm going to call it quits. Hope y'all enjoyed this. Uh, we've got maybe another interview or two, uh, may not be straight that next week, but I tell you what, we got a couple more before we hit the holiday hiatus. And with that, thank you audience. Thank you for joining us on this ride so far. We're going to continue on and I'll check y'all later. See you guys.